I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. The Athletic. Hello and welcome to The View from the Lane, our Tottenham Hotspur podcast from The Athletic. My name is Jack Pitbrook and I'm joined as always by James Moore. Uh, later in today's show we will be doing a segment on Wolfsburger AC, Tottenham's Europa League opponents on Thursday night. But right now James, there's only one place to start and that is the Etihad Stadium. Uh, Spurs have had some amazing games at the Etihad Stadium over the years. You know, the I think the Champions League quarterfinal second leg that 4-3 is probably the best game I've ever been to I think it's the best game I've seen Spurs lose yeah I think the 2-1 two, the 2-1 win in 2016 was fantastic in its own way you know they even got a 2 all draw at the start of last season which I think was a bit lucky but whatever Saturday's game I thought was terrible I thought it was genuinely one of the worst games I've seen all season just in terms of the absolute lack of any kind of drama or tension or excitement at all it wasn't a game in the vein of those games you just mentioned that were all kind of blood and thunder and two decent teams, two kind of footballing juggernauts kind of going at each other. Even in that early season game last season that you just mentioned, where you're right, Spurs were probably inferior on the day but still came away with a point. That kind of set the tone for the XG nonsense that's, that's existed in the last few Spurs-Man City games before this one. But yeah, it was just Spurs were incredibly passive and not in the way that they were... <laughs> In the previous two games against City, the 2-2-0 victories in 2020, in between that hurricane free kick that hit the inside of the post on, what, sort of 15 minutes? Yeah. And that Bale, amazing run and relatively sort of weak shot at Edison on, what, maybe sort of 85. I don't think there was anything that got me excited there, really. And obviously there is some mitigation when you lose a game to a team as good as Manchester City and they're in incredible form. They're comfortably the best team in the country at the moment and even without... De Bruyne and Iguero in the team, they're still incredibly dangerous, still scoring a lot of goals. You know, they beat Liverpool 4-1 the previous week. You know, obviously you have to factor in Liverpool's form there as well. You know, even Liverpool in that game, you know, if you watch if you watch the City Liverpool game last weekend, Liverpool were in the game in the first half, and it was yeah. only in the second half when they kind of let in Allison lost his mind and conceded two super goals in the middle of the second half. Up until that point, it was a relatively equal game, relatively even game. I just don't think that you, you can say of the game on Saturday that Spurs were kind of as competitive or as threatening because, you know, in the first 20, 25 minutes, they moved the ball around okay without really kind of looking particularly dangerous. They didn't look terrible. They didn't really get pulled out of shape or look under massive pressure. But I think Manchester City would probably feel they were they were comfortable for the duration of that game. I don't think there was ever really a point that it felt like City wouldn't score or after they had scored that, it, that they wouldn't win. It was just kind of a bit of a cakewalk for them, really. And I don't imagine they would have felt they've had many easier games against Tottenham than that since the sort of days of Spurs going up there and getting beaten 6-0 under, um, under AVB. It was just a, a sort of meek performance. And when, you know, and I don't think anyone listening to this is going to be surprised that we get stuck into Mourinho a little bit in this podcast. 
when you're a manager who prides himself on his record against the other top sides, which Mourinho should have been doing because you know his record against those top sides, even now, is still good. But in the last two, three weeks, is taking a real kicking. Uh, if you're performing pathetically in those games and still not really doing enough in the games against everyone else, then it's not exactly a great combination. Yeah, completely. It's, uh, you know, I'm not a Spurs fan, but if I was a Spurs fan, what would have frustrated me the most about it was, was just how easy it was for City. Like if City, you know, it, I know it, it wasn't a massive scoreline. In the end, it wasn't like the AV, the thumping that basically ended AVB's reign at Spurs, but it, I felt like it could have been, you know, if City had wanted, if City had wanted to win that game by that much, they, they could have done. And that was what was so striking to me about the game from quite early on, really, in the second half, sorry, in the first half was that City were just so much better than Tottenham that they could score more or less whenever they wanted to. If they needed to score more goals, they could have done. And Spurs just had nothing going forward. Like, City... I mean, look, City have been really good this season at defending, defending against the counter-attack with Rodri in that holding role and Stones has been brilliant. And Spurs had no way through. Like, Kane and Son and Ndombele, I thought, were completely neutered, really, by City. But it just meant there was no tension at all, was there? Because it was like, I watched it and thought, well, this is when it was 1-0. I thought, well, City are probably going to score another goal. And Spurs are not going to score a goal. So it really just depends on, you know, a City going to win 2-0 or 3-0 or 4-0. And obviously it wound up at 3-0. But it just made it like a really, really miserable game to watch. And like you say, James, it was so, it was so different from those other big games that Spurs have had against, you know, against City, really. Two of the standout wins of the Mourinho era have been against City. And it, yeah, just no tension whatsoever. And it, go, and it goes to show one thing that I think we know about Spurs, which is that when they don't score the first goal, they're really in trouble because they're they're not good at chasing the game or getting back into the game. And we'll come on to this issue of tiredness later because afterwards Mourinho quite understandably talked a lot about how tired the players were after playing 120 minutes at Goodison Park on Wednesday night. And of course the players would be tired. Like, you know, he's not making it up. Of course they're going to be tired. But it, frankly, it's not the first time this season, or even the first time recently, that Spurs have had been in the second half of the game when they were behind in, and just haven't had anything at all in the locker. They had nothing, you know, it's like, it was like Leicester at home, which I thought was terrible. It was like the Brighton game. It's a little bit like the Liverpool game, although it wasn't quite as intense as the Liverpool game. Like, I know they had a few, you know, they did a few good long balls in the last few minutes in the Chelsea game. And maybe the Chelsea game with a bit more luck, they would have nicked a point. But generally speaking, I think when Spurs are behind, it's like, you know, and the other team has the opportunity to defend a bit more. Spurs don't really know what to do. And it's If I was a Tottenham fan, I would have been tearing my hair out at how, at the lack of competitiveness in the second half. You know, you can get wrapped up a little bit in intangibles like fight, spirit, drive, determination, energy, whatever you want to call it. And I know that some people, you know, some people like to think about football in those in those terms. Some people don't like to think about football in those terms at all. That's a kind, you know, your mileage may vary on that. But watching it, I just thought, Christ, you know, this isn't a good team. This is not a good competitive Tottenham team here. And it left me, yeah, it left me feeling pretty, pretty pessimistic, I have to say. I mean, you're right, you know, when you play two hours in a, in a kind of end-to-end cup game in midweek, that obviously is going to be draining. But having watched that game, and yeah, we're not obviously kind of privy to all the ins and outs of the kind of physical state of the players after a match like that. But watching like Sanchez, you know, he scored two goals to his credit, but I wouldn't say it as an especially good game in a defensive sense. Then be kind of kept in the team when maybe Alderweireld perhaps would have been a better bet. I don't know. I mean, I, I, 
<laughs> we've talked so many times about what the best defensive partnership is and and I guess the the kind of answer is that there isn't really an especially good one and whatever whatever combination you go with <laughs> you're only really going to be as good as the sort of defensive midfielders in front of you that seems to be the only kind of solution there when Sissoko and Hoiberg play in front that seems to be the only way they can actually keep anyone half decent out but that kind of brings me on to Sissoko as well like you know I think he came on in the last kind of 20 minutes of extra time I think on Wednesday night and then, uh, I mean, how did, you know, he played, what, the second half? Did he come on at halftime? I mean, uh, <laughs> you know, I don't understand why you wouldn't start him in a game like that. It's exactly the kind of game you want to soak. I mean, I think Sissoko's breakthrough game for me was against Manchester City, I think, at Wembley. Uh, yeah. That was the first time he really looked like a sort of decent player uh, against a decent team in a Spurs shirt, which is kind of probably two years after he arrived, which is maybe not great. But it was certainly, you know, it was certainly welcome when it eventually came. You know, I wasn't especially impressed, and I and I know some people after the game on Wednesday night were on Twitter, kind of saying, "Well, you know, we lost, but at least we attacked. At least we we tried to, you know, score some goals, and at least we looked decent going forward." And I mean, that is kind of true to a degree, but actually, if you do break down the goals they scored against Everton, two from corners and one from like a cross, it was sort of the second phase after a corner, right? Is that right? I think so. I think so. I mean, I, mean, I can't even assist absolutely. It's just so much seems to have happened since then. <laughs> uh, it, it, it's just stupid isn't it um, it was just an incredibly flat performance and, and like you say it would be incredibly unfair to say they should be getting results against teams like Manchester City because you know Manchester City are obviously capable of beating anyone but what we've seen previously even under Mourinho even this season is Spurs being able to compete in games like that and it, the fact that they haven't done that now already three times in the space of two or three weeks to me hints at sort of a regression really yeah, regression is exactly how I feel about this Tottenham team at the moment. You know, they've lost, what, five of the last six. It has been a really difficult run, both in terms of the regularity of the games and the fact that they've had to play Chelsea and Liverpool and Manchester City. But, you know, as you say, James, like, Mourinho's record in these big games was one of the big points in his plus column until recently. And now, watching those games, you think, well, actually, he's kind of just performing... You know, this is more or less how they used to, how they used to do under Mauricio Pochettino in these big games and it's like well if this isn't if you can't claim that he's now the kind of big game genius anymore you do wonder what he's got going for him european football returns this week and there's no better time to sign up for all of our unrivaled coverage at the athletic until february the 25th we're offering new subscribers a half price annual subscription that's less than one pound per week for an entire year to redeem that limited time only offer go to theathletic.com forward slash spurs pod that's theathletic.com forward slash spurs pod and if you're enjoying the show please leave us a review if i was to make an argument defensive Mourinho at this point i would say well people always said that the pro- the number one problem with the spurs team was they can't create chances and i do think that since they've moved in dombele into the two into the four two three one they have been better going forward. And that's borne out by the number of chances they created against West Brom and against Everton. And again, if I was being if I was being optimistic about this, I'd say they turned a corner going forward. And while that wasn't sustained in any way in the City game, where they didn't really create anything at all, you know, there are unique circumstances attached to this game, namely the tiredness of the players and the fact that it's against City, who are going to win the league by like 12, 15 points. And maybe going into the West Ham game and beyond, hopefully Spurs will be able to play with a bit more of that attacking vigour 
that we saw in the West Brom and Everton games rather than continuing the City performance. But I think that's an optimistic take and I don't think there's any guarantee that we'll see anything we'll see kind of good attacking Spurs rather than like insipid negative Spurs in the West Ham game and beyond, James. Like it does, I don't know, do you feel like we're in a bit of a sort of crossroads here or the season could go, which way do you think the season will to go from here? Will it be more like the City game or more like the Everton game? I've got to say, to be completely honest, I'm not sure that would necessarily make a whole load of difference from this point. Uh, to me, both of those games illustrate a lack of control. Yeah. Uh, like Spurs were not in control of either of those games. I know they had a very good spell in the first sort of 25 minutes against Everton, half an hour maybe, where they had a lot of the ball and created some reasonably good chances. Um, but from that point, it was just absolute chaos, wasn't it? Just absolute nonsense. And yeah, they had you know they had Everton pegged in an extra time, but I think you'd probably rather be in Everton's situation there than in, than in Tottenham chasing the game after 115 minutes. And obviously at City, <laughs> they were just getting kind of run around all over the pitch, weren't they? They weren't They weren't anywhere near. So uh, yeah, if those are the two options, then I'm not particularly confident it's going to be a good end to the season. And I know a lot of people would say they'd rather be losing games 5-4 than 1-0. Um, and I could certainly see the logic there. Uh, the West Ham game on Sunday is, is obviously an absolutely huge game. At the time we record this, West Ham are three points ahead, but they've got the game on Monday night against Sheffield United, which I suppose you'd expect them to win. Uh, and if they do, they'll be six points ahead. And then if they beat Spurs at the weekend, they'll be nine points ahead with what, like 13 games to go? Would be a pretty big ask to overhaul, even to overhaul West Ham from that situation, which is pretty incredible, really, when you think about it. That You're probably talking about like it being massively, the odds being stacked massively against them just to finish in the top six, let alone the top four. I kind of feel like we talked about this after the, after the previous game, or the previous two games, actually, that top four is probably already gone really for me I think it's going to be incredibly difficult I mean Liverpool don't look especially especially great I still think I, I'd probably back Liverpool to turn a corner quicker than Spurs at the moment probably but Chelsea I mean I look like they're going to kind of be tails up and running towards the line now and then Leicester as well I, I don't see slipping in the way they did last season so <laughs> you know if, if you consider you need one or other of Leicester and uh Leicester and Chelsea to kind of collapse and Spurs to find form and nobody in between to do better. It's quite hard to imagine Spurs are going to get in the top four, isn't it, from there? Yeah. Uh, and aside from anything else, you know, if Spurs are losing to a West Ham team who I think, it, I think, and again, this isn't being disrespectful by any, by any stretch, but, you know, pro, you would probably say have inferior players to Spurs and in reputational terms, a, a, an inferior manager... But I mean, on the face of it, Moyes is massively outperforming Mourinho, isn't he? If you look at it like that, yeah. You know, he 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 has got his team functioning in a way that is enabling them to get results probably beyond the level you would expect that group of players to get. They're scoring goals. They've got a few goal scorers in the team. They haven't actually got a centre forward, and you know, you and I were talking about this earlier on. They haven't got a centre forward, but but Moyes isn't complaining about it. He's got on with it. He's got Antonio playing up front. He's got Suchek getting goals from midfield. Feels like they've kind of got on top of some of their defensive problems that they've had over the last sort of couple of years or decades, perhaps. Craig Dawson. Craig Dawson. I mean, it's a solution to all your problems. I, yeah. I, you know, I'm not suggesting Spurs should have signed Craig Dawson, but it does kind of go to show that you don't have to be spending fifty million pounds on some bloke from Inter who doesn't actually look that good to uh, to kind of solve your defensive issues. Sorry, this might be a really stupid question, but how? 
how are you feeling about the prospect of Tottenham possibly finishing below West Ham this season? Because it's on the cards. It's like you've got to, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I'm worried that it now might happen, given given everything you've just said. You saw my tweet, right, from the other week that, that I, I tweeted, and again, we talked about this before, but uh, if Spurs finish below West Ham, Mourinho should genuinely be, be put in prison. I mean, obviously it was a joke. And again, we talked about this last week and I don't want to go through all that again because people didn't understand it when I was joking about it again. Uh, it would be pretty bad to finish below West Ham. I mean, finishing sixth last season was bad. But I mean, to yeah. finish kind of... And again, I say this all with respect. I, I, you know, not that I have loads of West Ham. But <laughs> if, they, if they finish below... You know, you're, you're, they're going to finish below Man City and Manchester United, obviously. And you, like we've said, they're probably going to finish below Chelsea and Leicester. Liverpool... Maybe, I mean, Villa, Everton, West Ham. I mean, you know, it's not just West Ham, is it? It's possibly, it's possibly three or four other teams from outside that big six. So, yeah, I mean, I think any Spurs fan who's worried about that might need to start getting used to the idea because I don't think it's necessarily especially unlikely at the moment. So we obviously get a lot of questions about Mourinho's future and how much longer will he be at the club. Uh, our colleague David Ornstein, at the top of his uh, must-read column this morning, has written that Mourinho does not have a break clause in the contract that he signed in November 2019, uh, which means that if Daniel Levy did decide to part ways with Mourinho, Mourinho would therefore be entitled to a significant payout. In David's words... Um, I certainly think that Mourinho isn't going to go anywhere soon, you know, just just for my own reporting and speaking to sources, uh, people say that Daniel Levy's certainly going to wait until the League Cup final, uh, see how that plays out, see how Tottenham do in the Europa League before making any kind of decisions. So I'm certainly not expecting any big developments on this front imminently. Clearly, lots of Spurs fans are asking about what's going to happen next. You know, is there a, is there a succession plan in place? Uh, two names that crop up a lot from talking to sources on this are Julian Nagelsmann and Ralph Hasenhüttl, the managers of RB Leipzig and Southampton, as being possible alternatives in the summer, perhaps or beyond, if Mourinho were to go. But I certainly think he's got the season, James. And uh, is there any room for optimism looking, looking forward to the League Cup final? I mean, look, you know, we talked about Mourinho's record since he's been at the club against the big sides and... As we mentioned, until the last couple of weeks, it was good. So I suppose you kind of have to cling to that and hope that they revert to type in that game at Wembley. The other positive I would cling to, maybe, is that we kind of had these conversations about it feeling like it was kind of end of days in February, March last year. Yeah, yeah. Before before the shutdown and then the restart. And I remember us having a conversation where we said, basically, you know, when you watch a lot of football and you watch a lot of football teams, you kind of know when things aren't quite right. And that yeah. was definitely a vibe that we kind of had at that point of the season last season. Bournemouth. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so not even before, just before the restart, but mm. afterwards as well. Uh, and they clearly they turned a season, uh, turned a corner and finished last season relatively well. And after Everton this season went on a really good run and obviously, you know, top of the league or the rest, whatever. But yeah, I, I don't know how often that happens twice to a manager in one reign. I'm not, I'm not convinced it necessarily does. I, I, off the top of my head, I can't think of one. And I say off the top of my head, like I haven't been trying to think about it for the last sort of 48 hours or so. I kind of stumbled down a internet rabbit hole over the weekend while I was sulking about the game. And it looks like 
Mourinho actually has a worse uh, Premier League win ratio at Spurs than not only Pochettino, but <laughs> but also Tim Sherwood, AVB and Harry Redknapp now. So over the course of the last month, basically, he's dipped below the others. Uh, he was obviously already below Pochettino, but he's, di- he's dipped below the others now. Uh, <laughs> so having spent years kind of mocking uh, Tim Sherwood bigging up his win ratio and then it kind of immediately going into the shadow of Pochettino's, now we're kind of looking at it with Jose Mourinho as the Tottenham manager and having a worse win ratio than not only Sherwood but the the guy he replaced and who you know who was much derided by the time he went. So yeah, it is uh, it is mad to think that they've gone from top, being top of the league and people like you and Charlie getting carried away about title bids and whatever. Even though more grounded yeah. people like me were saying it's too early to talk about that. Um, <laughs> I did say that. Uh, to now be kind of looking at his record as being that bad, it is it is crazy. And to me, that is an indication that he he should be under pressure. And I'm not suggesting yeah. he should be sacked tomorrow. Um, not that I would necessarily hate that if it did happen, to be brutally honest. But it, he's been in charge of 49 Premier League matches. They've won 23, drawn 12 and lost 14. He's lost more league games than AVB in fewer matches. And I don't think many people Ugh, think AVB yeah. did a particularly good job. You know, they did well in the first season relative to what had come before. They yeah. got the Premier League points record, but still finished fifth. And then the next season, obviously, was a bit of a farce, even though actually I don't think they'd started particularly. They started actually quite well and weren't doing awfully. I think they were kind of sixth or seventh when he left. So, uh, yeah, you know, it's obvious that Levy has a bit more invested in Mourinho than he did on AVB, maybe, particularly in a financial sense, as you said before. Uh, as yeah. David Ornstein writes, you know, get, getting rid of him is going to cost a lot of money if they do want to do that before his contract expires or a long time before his contract expires. But it's more than that, I think, with Levy, isn't it? There is a certain degree of like, he's inve- like he's invested his kind of reputation almost in this in this appointment, isn't he? You know, mm. getting rid of Pochettino was obviously massively unpopular and controversial to bring in Mourinho. Clearly that rubbed some fans up the wrong way with regards to kind of a style of football and whatever else. And he's not going to want to kind of walk away from that easily, is he? No, no, indeed not. And that that doesn't strike me as a situation that's going to be a recipe for joy for the next few months if it's going to be basically, uh, you know, Mourinho's stock continuing to fall and Spurs not wanting to get rid of him because they're hoping it's just going to miraculously turn around. That's kind of what you're looking for now, something crazy to happen, you know, some result out of nowhere that completely, like, picks all the players up off the floor and gets everyone kind of... Now, to use another horrible cliche, pulling in the same direction, whatever else, which is just not happening at the moment. But I just, I can't see it. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Yeah, it is striking how we are, I think we're certainly now thinking about the Mourinho end game. Yeah, it's if not when now, it feels, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, that, well look, every manager gets sacked, or almost every manager gets sacked, like 99% of football managers get sacked, and 
Mourinho, in his last few jobs, has got sacked in quite spectacular fashion. I don't think this is like a job that he'll do for 10 years and then walk off to a different job. Like, I think he will get sacked at some point. I guess there's a few different scenarios from here. One is that he gets sacked soon. Like, he gets much worse than he gets sacked soon. At the moment, as I've just said, I don't think that's going to happen. Another scenario is that they say goodbye in the summer and that Tottenham starts again with a new manager and we just pretend this experiment never happened. And the other option is that Spurs do sufficiently well in the next, in the, over the end of the season, by which I mean, you know, at a bare minimum one trophy uh, and a big improvement in the Premier League. And then Daniel Levy decides, you know, let's give it one more year. Let's see how we get on next summer. How well do you think they'd have to do for that to be the case? Like finishing finishing sixth and winning the League Cup. Would that be progress or not? I'd say at a bare minimum, be in the Champions League, whether by fourth or by winning the Europa League. And then if you win the League Cup as well, that'd be great. But I think Champions League football is more important than winning the winning the League Cup. And, you know, they might well win the Europa League, but it's hard. Like there's 31 other teams left in there. There's a lot of games left to play. Some of those teams are pretty good, like better than Tottenham. And... Uh, it's, you know, you can't really hang your hat on on it. Like, it's a slog. Uh, so, A, B and C, I guess, are the options. And, I don't know, I'd be surprised... I don't think it'll be A, but I'd be pretty surprised if it was C at this point. I mean, I, I might be wrong, but um, I think it would... Or maybe Daniel... Maybe in the face of the evidence, Daniel Levy will think, no, you know, let's give it another year. You know, there were some good flashes this year, some good moments... Let's see how they do next season. Uh, I don't think the argument for that is very strong at the moment. On current trends, if Mourinho were to stay for next season, I don't think it would be good. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I just don't think it yeah, would I just I, can't, it wouldn't be yeah. good for Tottenham. It wouldn't be good for the fans or the players. It would just be more of this. And it's, you know, it's it's heading... It's not. I'm not saying they can't win, but I'm saying that they they're going to lose more games than they win if they keep playing like this. I can still see a situation where they win that cup final, even though I do think it is unlikely. And they're obviously underdogs there. And I can kind of see a situation where they pick up at some point sort of sufficiently to finish like sort of fifth or sixth, like like last season. But like getting the number of results needed to win the Europa League now against the kind of teams, as you mentioned, that are going to be in it, that feels like a step too far to me. So that is basically kind of, you know, the, the last chance of Champions League. Even if I was being positive, I'd say probably the best they're going to do is finish sixth and win the League Cup. If you're breaking it down, you probably would you would say that was better than last season because they finished sixth and didn't win anything last season. Right, right. But I don't think that's the kind of progress they were looking for. You know, to not be in the Champions League again for a second year in a row. I think we talked about this this, this time last year or towards the mm. end of last season. Like it kind of afford to not being in the Champions League for one season. Yeah. But to dip out for a couple of seasons felt like it would be really damaging. Both, like you know, for the perception of a club from within the club, from the players within the club, and also like any potential signings outside, mm. I think it could be quite damaging. But yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't see a situation. I just can't see a situation where there's an appetite to kind of dust for everyone to dust themselves down and to go through another season of Mourinho as a manager. And I'm talking about like <laughs> particularly fans, but I, I, I suspect also maybe players as well. Also, like, this is a really fundamental point, and I think sometimes people miss it. Mourinho isn't a rebuild manager. He's a win-now manager. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's always been a win-now manager. He's really, really good as a win-now guy. Win-now, and, you know, the next manager can worry about the long-term stuff. And that's defined his success at Porto, Chelsea, Inter, Real Madrid. He's a win-now guy. And now it's like, 
he comes, you know, he's sixth in the first season, fine transitional season, took over from Pochettino. He becomes sixth or seventh in his second season, the season where he's got the players and he's got two world class centre forwards at the top of their games, and he's got you know some pretty good players, I think, in the transfer market at the start of that season, and they're still not progressing. Then what is the point? What's the point? Yeah, I mean, look, look, look we've said it before, but you kind of you replaced a coach with a manager, and I know. Mourinho kind of bristled a little bit about his job title, actually as Pochettino had before, by the way. Um, but they have two very different people with two very different approaches to that job more broadly. Um, you know, Pochettino, like you say, is a builder and Mourinho is maybe like a sort of an optimizer of what he has. Yeah, say. right, right, exactly. Uh, you know, and Pochettino, this is going to sound like a criticism of Pochettino, but it isn't, it isn't meant to be. And I don't think it actually is. But like, I'm not sure he necessarily made like, the parts of the team collectively better than, you know, I didn't make the team better in the sum of its parts, but I think he made all of the parts individually better. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like he made the players all better. So the team yeah. became better by kind of proxy. Um, whereas Mourinho is, you know, maybe supposedly more tactically astute and would kind of be able to find a way to improve the team as a collective. Um, but I think Spurs in the position they're in, you know, and particularly if you look at it, like what the squad is going to be next season, then there's not going to be loads of money to bring in Skriniar's or whoever they're going to probably be looking to bring in people like you know people like Sessegnon and Skip back into the first team squad you would have thought I mean I, I feel like that's going to be absolutely essential isn't it they need like Skip to come yeah. in and be a first team watch and Sessegnon as well I think I would say they should certainly yeah. be looking to that and is is Mourinho the man or the manager you think is going to kind of develop those kind of players because I, I don't I mean how many of the players in the, in the squad do you think he's improved over the last 18 months I mean, we have conversations about Kane and Son before, and I suppose you make an argument for one or other of those. But I don't think Son has been great in the last three months, despite kind of still scoring goals. Yeah, Harry Kane is Harry Kane is kind of a bit of a freak of nature, and I don't, I don't, I, I don't know that necessarily any coach is having much input in what he's doing. He's sort of, to me, it kind of seems like he's doing a lot of that stuff himself. Yeah, I, I'm not sure there's anyone there you look at and think Mourinho has really turned this guy's career around. On the piece that I published on Sunday morning about the Tottenham game, we got a fantastic comment by a Athletic subscriber called Gavin K, which last time I checked had something like 150 likes. Uh, let me just see how many it's on now. But it was really, really well received by lots of people in the sort of Spurs online community. We've had lots of nice tweets about it. Um, I just wanted to say how much we all appreciate this. Like, we love having this sort of uh, community of commenters underneath our pieces. Uh, I know we don't reply to them all. I do read... It's on three... Sorry, it's on 371 likes at the moment, that comment. I actually... It's more popular than your piece. My, by miles. Miles more popular than my piece. Um, I, look, I don't have the numbers to hand. I think this is probably one of the best received comments I've had ever on anything ever on The Athletic. I, yeah, as I was saying, I'm really, really grateful for this. I think it's really cool how we have this little community or kind of growing community of Spurs fans who subscribe to The Athletic who make these comments. Uh, I can't recommend this Gavin K uh, comment enough, not just because it, it kind of agrees with what me and James think about Mourinho, but also because it's just a really well in, 
well-written, interesting, thoughtful piece. Um, Gavin, if you're out there, if you want to send and you and you listen to podcasts, uh, send us a DM if you're on Twitter because we'd love to get in touch with you. And Spurs fans, if you haven't read it, this is it's the top. It's showing up as I think the third or fourth comment on the piece that I published, which is kind of nominally about Hugo Lloris, but also about Spurs's uh, Spurs's situation at the moment. So thank you very much to Gavin. Um, something else we wanted to flag up for all of our subscribers, listeners, readers out there is we're doing a big quiz on this Wednesday evening. That's Wednesday the 17th uh, at 7.30pm. This is a quiz which The Athletic's running for every club. It's in order to raise money for the great people at Prostate Cancer UK. Basically, it's a Spurs trivia quiz. It's four or five rounds, all the questions written by me and James. It's a kind of fun way to play, like the questions will come up on the screen, you download an app or you go on a website on your phone and you answer the questions on your phone and then top-ranked participants get ranked up on the screen and then we get to see who wins. Uh, Tottenham Hotspur themselves have been really, really generous and helpful with this. They have provided a signed shirt. So if you win the Spurs quiz, not only will you get a signed shirt... But you will also then enter into the grand final, which is the winners of all the different club quizzes, to see who is the best informed athletic reader out there when it comes to current football trivia. So we think this will be really fun. Like some of the other Premier League clubs have been doing them the last few weeks. They've been really, really well received. Uh, I've watched a few on Zoom. Yeah, so I should also say this quiz is on Zoom. And it looks great fun. Also, there's not really anything else to do, even this Wednesday evening. Our quiz is at 7.30. You've got Burnley Fulham at 6. No, no, no way. Everton Man City, boring away win. Even the Champions League games. Porto Juventus, seen it a million times before. Sevilla Borussia Dortmund, one for the hipsters, as uh, tiresome people on Twitter would say. So it's not like, and you know, you can do a quiz while you've got the football in the background. Lots of people these days do go on their phones while watching football on TV. It's it's the done thing. We, we should clarify if this quiz is going to be kind of better organised than the ones we usually do on the podcast. Just oh, in yeah, case yeah. anyone By was miles. worried that yeah, it was going to be a shambles. Yeah, it's properly like... So we provided the questions, but the actual organisation of it is done professionally. So it's really... It's like a fun format to play, answering on your phone. Uh, and... James and I will be there as well, smiling on Zoom. We'll do some, we'll, maybe we'll answer some questions or do yeah. some yeah, pre-prepared banter. Yeah, we'll do a bit of pre-prepared banter, but also... Better prepared got, than this. Much better. If you've got anything you do want us to talk about, you can obviously send us in and then we'll, uh, you know, in between the rounds, we'll do a bit of talking about it. And yeah, we're uh, I'm, we're really looking forward to it. It's, and also, if you want to, you can sign up for a free 30-day trial with The Athletic at theathletic.com forward slash PCUK. And that's where you register to play the quiz. That is theathletic.com forward slash PCUK. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your 
happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So this Thursday evening, Tottenham are playing Wolfsburg of Austria in the Europa League. The game is actually not being played in Austria. It's being played in Budapest instead because of COVID restrictions. But nevertheless, it's a very interesting it's a very interesting game for Spurs against a team who most I think most English readers and viewers won't even have ever heard of. I think most people think Wolfsburg is a team in Germany that Aidan Dzeko used to play for. Um, we wanted to find out a bit more. So I've been speaking to Lukas Gradischneg, a Tottenham fan from Austria, who I think is a supporter of both Tottenham and Wolfsburg. Uh, Lukas, is that right? Are you supporting both teams on Thursday? That's right, yes. Maybe you should get like a one of those scarves, which is half Tottenham and half Wolfsburg. I doubt that it will be sold, but yeah. <laughs> English people don't really know anything about Wolfsburg. Can you, I mean, we don't even know what the correct name of the club is. Is it Wolfsburg, Wolfsburger? What can you, what can you tell us about them? So the real name is uh, Wolfsberger AC, which means athletic club from Wolfsburg. But yeah, you can call it Wolfsberg AC or Wolfsberg. So just to give you a short introduction of the club, it's a very small club based in Wolfsberg, which is a small town in the state of Carinthia. They've promoted to the um, highest division, the Austrian Bundesliga, in 2013 and since have somehow managed to not relegate again <laughs> because they yeah, a very small club with a very small budget. And it's now the second turn uh, in the Europa League. They played Europa League back in 2019 as well. Yeah, can't wait for the game. Normally, we think that the best football teams in Austria will always be Red Bull Salzburg and then the Vienna teams and maybe uh, Sturm Graz. Is it rare to have a uh, to, to have a successful football team from the Austrian Alps area, so close to Slovenia? I think you can say that it's very rare because... The clubs that you've uh, mentioned, like uh, Rapid Vienna, Austria Vienna, Sturm Graz, they have a very, very big budget, uh, way bigger than Wolfsburg. And yeah, but somehow Wolfsburg has done a pretty good job, even without that much of money. There are always smaller clubs from Austria as well playing in the Europa League. What's the secret to their success? How have they managed to overachieve so much in the last eight years? They just somehow, don't know why, but they just somehow managed to convince players to stay here, good players that would have moved to bigger clubs because it's just a very good atmosphere at the club. They are just all enjoying it. And even though they don't earn that much money, they still choose to stay at Wolfsburg. In the area, it's a very well-known club. People love the players, people love the manager. It's just a very good atmosphere. And that's why the good players are not leaving. I think that's pretty much the secret. Of those players, who are the who are the players who Spurs fans should be most worried about on on Thursday night? Yeah, it should be definitely Michael Lindl. Michael Lindl, he's just thirty five already, I think, but he's the one player that's kind of experienced and also had international experience already. He also played for the national team several times. He's a very good uh, midfielder. He's central attacking midfielder. He's got a very good left foot. He's always trying to shoot from distance as well. So, yeah, we should tell Hugo to to be prepared. Do Wolfsburg play the same sort of very modern pressing football that Red Bull Salzburg and some of the other Austrian teams play? 
they at least try to do so. You know, they don't have the players that Red Bull Salzburg has, but um, yeah, they really try to play very offensively, very short passes. And that's, of course, because we have a Red Bull Salzburg, uh, a former Red Bull Salzburg youth team coach. He's just trying to, to make us a little Red Bull Salzburg. <laughs> Some English people who... Who, who will have heard of your team. That'll be because of Gerhard Struber, the, the coach who did very well there before going yeah. to Barnsley, who he saved from relegation out of the championship yeah. last year. Um, since Struber left, have, have Wolfsburg continued in the same direction? Actually, they have. I honestly thought that it would be over when Struber left because he was just doing such a good job. But yeah, there was just other Red Bull or former Red Bull Salzburg coaches that uh, followed him at Wolfsburg. And yeah, we just continued to not get near to the relegation spots. Uh, yeah, we turned out to qualify for the Europa League two times. You're a big Tottenham fan as well. Can you? Yes. How, pop, how popular are Tottenham in Austria compared to Liverpool or Manchester United? Yeah, it's, it's a smaller fan base than Liverpool has. But yeah, it's getting bigger and bigger of course it's lots of englishmen living in austria that are supporting spurs of course and also local people supporting austria so it's getting bigger and bigger we as i told you we have a registered club uh, official spurs supporters club here in austria uh, we think we have like 120 very active members at the moment before coronavirus would would there be like a pub in vienna or somewhere that all the all the austrian spurs fans would meet at to watch the games Yes, uh, there is a pub in Vienna where they usually meet. Of course, it's closed at the moment, but yeah. So I guess the uh, the Austrian Spurs fans must be hoping that uh, Mourinho gets replaced by Ralf Hasenhüttl. I personally would love Ralf Hasenhüttl at Tottenham because I think he's just yeah giving back a bit of Mauricio <laughs> with his uh, playing style. Like he, he, I just think if he has the players that he has, if he would have the players of Tottenham at Southampton now, he would be. Maybe not a title contender, but a top four contender. Lucas, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. It's great to yeah. hear that. Um, it's great to. It's great for all of us, me especially, to learn about a team that we didn't know about, and uh, and to learn about the existence of such a strong Tottenham community in Austria. And uh, I just hope that you guys will be able to uh, to watch a game in the pub in Vienna again before too long. The Athletic. <laughs>